in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus, and the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinus was governing Syria. So everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time come for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn, and she wrapped him snugly in clothes, uh, in cloth and laid him in the feeding trough or mangers, known as mangers, because there was no room for them at the lodging place. Now, let me just with some, uh, give some commentary here. If you and I were to examine the history of the church, in fact, the history of humanity, or uh, in fact, the, uh, the, the interaction between God and humanity, you will always notice that you will, uh, mighty changes, mighty shifts that will alter the course of human history would always start, watch this, in a lowly place. Always. The most unexpected place. Through the lowly and the most unexpected vessels. Just think about this. God has orchestrated for the salvation of mankind, not with a massive bang. It's a massive bang in his spirit, but as far as the world is concerned, everything was just normal as usual. Nobody even knew Jesus came except those that had been shown. And that he was not born in a palace in the most amazing, fantastic place with trumpet and, and people, you know, guards, you know, like when Prince, what's his new prince that just got born in England? What's his name? Archie, Archie. Archibald, Prince Archie, you know, and, and when he was born, there was this big fanfare, you know. But when Jesus was born, he was born in the most unassuming time, in the most unassuming place, the lowliest place. And for goodness sake, he was born in a manger, in an feeding trough. I don't know if you've been to a farm before. I don't know if you've seen those feeding troughs. They ain't pretty. They're not like, you know, uh, uh, you know, cushion, what do you call it, cushion, uh, um, a pillow top mattress. Some of you have those pillow top mattresses. Very, he didn't have any pillow. You know, this just just eating trough. And that place is unsanitized. It probably smelled like urine manure all the time. You know, when I was younger, you know, my 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 parents, you know, when they were pastoring in Malaysia, you know, and and uh, we'll go to all the small town, you know, those they call it kampong, you know, and they they, they and, and I just I just I just didn't really like to go there because it's smelly. You know, and, and it's just, you know, they, they, they meet in this almost like a hut, like a house with, uh, with those, uh, not bamboo, but uh, leaves, uh, roof, you know, and, and uh, you know, go visit. And, and it was like smelly, you know, and, and it's not a pleasant place. And this is actually worse because at least those places, they make it really nice. Those people who live there, they make it really nice and comfortable. But I'll tell you this, it's not a lovely place that Jesus was born in. It was in a very, very humble place. And God chose it that way. It didn't surprise God that there was was no room in any hotel, any inn at the time. God didn't go, oh my goodness, didn't even plan this. He already knew that was going to happen because it was his purpose and his plan, not only for the birth of Jesus, the most amazing encounter of humanity, not only the birth of Jesus, but every subsequent encounter of God, every subsequent of revelation of the move of God would always start in a lowly place. For another example is, you remember the Pentecostal movement, right? Again, it's in the barn, for goodness sake, right? The modern 
Pentecostal movement in 1906, you know, um, is it 1906, I believe? I'm getting younger, I can't think properly. You know, 19... <laughs> Somebody laugh. Okay, so <laughs> you know, in 1906, you know, and uh, if you know the stories, you know, uh, 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 Williams, what's his name? Um, Brent, no, that's not that. Brandon Williams is another. Uh, William Seymour. Brandon Williams is another evangelist. William Seymour, you know, he was praying in the barn by himself. He, he actually never really preached in the whole revival. He always knelt down and prayed every night, and God started to move. And he was half blind, if not totally blind. God moved in the most unassuming way, in the, through the most unassuming vessels, lowliest vessels. And, and look at what happened. Today, you all are impacted by the Pentecostal movement. You know, at the time, I think slavery just ended, and, and yet, you know, uh, he, William Seymour himself, when he heard about the gospel, about the Holy Spirit, and how the Holy Spirit was going to move on this earth, when he heard that it was in Bible school, and in that Bible school, he wasn't even allowed to be in the class because of segregation. So he had to, he had to sit outside the class, and he would listen to the message uh, of, of, of this Holy Spirit move. And then later on, he moved to Los Angeles, and as God started to use him, ladies and gentlemen, I'll tell you this, every move of God... Every time when God is wanting to communicate to us, every time when there's going to be a massive man of shift and change, God usually uh, uh, have, have it start at a lowly and an unassuming place. You know, it's really very really counterintuitive for us human beings to think that way because remember the Magi, you know, the three Magi, you know, the wise men, they came and looked for Jesus, you know, and the first thing they did was they went to the palace. It's a very natural thing. So every time, you know, we, we think God comes in the most, you know, uh, to the biggest palace, biggest church, you know, nothing wrong with the biggest church, you know, and come in the you know, nicest place, you know, and then, and then we don't realize that He often go to a broken lowly place to meet us you know in this christmas season many people are going to be lonely and you know we we we, we know that because um statistics tells us that lonely people feel lonelier on christmas and therefore that's why there's a lot of people commit suicide during christmas because they feel a lot lonelier than before because everybody's going back to their home doing their thing whatever and then they watch tv or whatever but they'll be sitting by themselves and they feel tremendously lonely then it's those time that you know people are just feeling so awful about themselves and they kill themselves but friends if you are one of those people i got two things to tell you number one is get 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 a hold of your small group leader and, and there are people that want to invite other people to their home to celebrate. So if, if, if you don't have a home to go to, let us know. We will plug you into one of the homes. But if you do have a home, would you invite some guests to your house? Amen. Can I hear an amen? And there's also going to be some Christmas dinner or whatever in different places. I'll do that. But number two is this. Watch this. Listen to this. If you feel like you are lonely and life is not going the perfect way and that... The place you're at right now is so broken, it's so lonely, it's, it's not a good place in life. I want you to know you're in a perfect spot for an encounter with God. Because 
for the most part in the history of humanity, God often shows up when people are feeling absolutely dejected in a place where it's totally broken. It's not like he doesn't speak to us in those glorious big assembly. He does. You remember the day of Solomon, you know? God revealed to the congregation of Israel when the temple was built. It was glorious. It was amazing. It was fantastic. It was awesome, you know? And you know, we, we heard many people got saved in big Billy Graham crusades or, or, or you know, Joe Osteen crusade or different crusades. We, we see that God moves too in big auditorium, big audience, you know? We see the prophetic words will go out and we all grow up in, in, in places where we've been to conferences and we've learned, we've grown. I'm not saying God doesn't speak to, to us that way, but I want to say this is that whenever He wants to bring an amazing move and He's looking for a vessel, He's looking for a vessel in a lowly place, often by themselves, alone, when nobody expect God would speak to them. You know, from Abraham to Moses, to Isaac, to Jacob, to all the great men of God in the Old Testament, and also in the New Testaments, we see that God really would often meet, give an encounter, have an encounter with humanity in the most uh, lowly place. You know, I can say that about a lot of modern days uh, uh, history, modern day modern days uh, church history, is that many great men and women of God, you know, they found God in a lonely, secluded, and unsuming place. That's usually very, very lowly, very humble. Most of them met God alone away from the crowd. You know, recall last, uh, uh, um, last week when we talked about, I mentioned just now the Magi come in and visit the king to look for Jesus, to look for the Son of God. Many Christians, we often think God can be found in big places. And so we, like the whole population at large, always go to where the masses go. We often rush to where, logically, where the masses think good things are happening. I want to encourage you in this Christmas season, look into those places that nobody expects God would move. Look into those places. It could be your closet. It could be your home. It could be when you're alone by yourself. You know, some of the greatest, greatest revelation I've ever received in my life is by myself in a place where nobody is. When it's not famous, it's not big. You know, we, I, I like to go to all those conferences with famous speakers. You know, I, I don't know if you ever receive brochures or promotion of those big conferences. You know, they always list out so em- all those amazing speakers, you know, like so-and-so is speaking, you know, what worship team is coming, you know, and then the five-star hotel that you can rent to or you can, you can go and hire to, to, to stay in, you know. And, and it's great. It's awesome. It's good. But I want to propose to you this. In this Christmas season, if you want to hear from God, Go to places not everybody's going. Let's move on. Verse 8. In the same region, shepherds were staying out of, in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for I look for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today a Savior who is Messiah, the Lord, was born for you in the city of David. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in cloth and lying in, the, in a feed trough. 
suddenly there was a multitude of heavenly hosts with the angel praising God, saying, Glory to God in the highest, peace on earth to people he favors. You know, in Jesus' days, shepherds stood on the bottom rung of the Palestinian society. They shared the same unenviable status as tax collectors and dung sweepers. Here it is. God showed up. He sent his angel. He didn't send his angels to some big preacher, Shanai. He didn't send his angels to some big, 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 big lawyer like Pharisees or religious people. He didn't send his angel to, to King Herod, you know. He didn't send his angel to the emperor, you know. He didn't send his angel to the most important people. But he sent his angel to the least important people in that society that everybody had looked over. And God revealed himself to them. And watch this. You know, God not only just revealed himself and give them the message to the angel, God put up the best show ever. Look at this, right? Watch what he's saying here. He said that suddenly, after the angels was talking, you know, like as if there's not enough amazing enough already, you know, an angel, you know, coming from in front of you, you know, like talking to you, maybe flying in the middle of, you know, in the middle of the air, you know, with wings or whatever. I don't know. I don't know how angels look like. I've never seen one. But, you know, an angel talking to you with bright lights, whatever. Then all of a sudden, wow, as if that's not enough, God put up the biggest show ever. The Word of God says that uh, suddenly there was a multitude, not just one. If this is one, uh, one of heavenly hosts, that's big enough. Multitude of heavenly hosts, that's massive. God is putting up the biggest choir, the biggest show ever, you know, to the poorest of the poor to reveal his purpose and the will to them. And I want, I'll tell you this, you know, there was this um, theater show that everybody wants to go to. It's called Hamilton. And uh, people paying hundreds of dollars for it, you know. My wife and I, when we were in New York, we thought, oh, maybe we can just go check out Hamilton. But it was so expensive, we couldn't justify it, you know. Like, we're paying six, seven hundred dollars. You know, some, some people have to pay like a thousand dollars just to get a bleacher seat, you know. And it's really expensive. So all those big show, you know, they're all, all those big, famous, rich people, right? And so they, don't all, they get to see all those big, nice show. And then whereas all the rest of, you know, at least for me, you know, and my wife, we, we just, you know, we just, we just ordinary folks, you know. We just, whatever right but here instead of that God put up a bigger show for those who are lowly and humble it was the biggest ever it confirms to us that God always loved to show up in a lowly place he always want to reveal himself in a lowly place not the most popular place sometimes secluded sometimes even unpopular you know, I was wondering the other day, you know, uh, I was saying, God, you know, uh, uh, why is it that the history that is outside the Bible, you know, the history that people recorded, all the historians, you know, archaeologists and historians, they record history of different societies, civilization, countries, nations, whatever, they would, they would record history. Why is it that most of the history, if not all the history recording that is outside the Bible hardly mention anything about the miracle and the encounter of God? Because sometimes you thought, okay, you need some corroboration. And the Holy Spirit said this to me. I was, I was having a communication with the Lord. And the Holy Spirit answered me. He said, son, when you read the Bible, you need to understand two things. Number one is that the Bible needs to be read by faith. It's not just a regular book. What that means is that you need to read, read the Bible by faith. If you read the Bible just like a novel, you'll get zilch, nothing. And it's super boring. I promise you that. 
How many, I mean, I'm sorry, I may not sound spiritual. I love to read Bible. You tell my, my wife, you tell you I read Bible all the time. But if I read the Bible with my own flesh, oh my goodness, it's one of the most boring books on earth. But I tell you this, when you read the Word of God by faith, He opens up your eyes, you see wonders like you've never seen before. It's amazing. All the truth will jump out of the page and reveal to you. And that's why when I read my Bible, I usually have a pencil with me. You know, I'll just write down, you know, some of my Bible. It's like written all over the place. It's really ugly. Got all kinds of wording, you know. A year after year, you know you add more words. And then you have to change Bible because, you know, you fill out all the rooms. So you got to change Bible. And, you know, I write all the words, you know. I try to use, uh, you know, they have this modern technology that you can actually add notes, un unlimited notes to be added to the clouds, you know, and link to all the verses, you know. But it just, I just feel like there's not enough anointing just to type it in, you know. You got to write it, right? But anyways, I like to write on this, this paper Bible, you know. And, and I use like electronic Bible. Nothing wrong with that. It's really cool. I have notes and whatever, but it's really cool. But anyways, he said, you cannot read the Bible using just regular attitude, but you have to read it by faith. Second, the reason most of the miracles and encounters is not recorded by those historians is because historians, as you know, by and large, they observe society from a very elitist perspective. In other words, they are very educated. All they do is they just observe the military, the empire, the kingdom, you know, how they move, how society move in general from a high up, you know, a high level of, of society. They view the society from the high level. And God usually shows His miracles, signs and wonders among the poor, among the ones that people don't notice. You look at the 12 disciples, in fact, the 120 disciples that were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were the rejects of society. The 12 disciples, they were the rejects of society. Of course, historians are not interested in looking into it. And besides that, you know, you say, well, I can look for the history from archaeology, finding whatever. But even if you can find those, uh, 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 have those archaeologists finding all those different items that they can discover or dig out from some, some past times, you know, it will never reveal that God had revealed himself to individuals in society, especially those in a lowly place. And even if there are recordings by people of seeing God, having an encounter, historians usually will say they're just fantasy and delusional. And that's the reason why most history books, you will never see the glory of God. Look at our newspaper today. I mean, we have so many amazing miracles recorded. Newspaper, the mainstream media will never record any of the miracles. They don't care about the miracles. They don't even believe it. Right? But the key is that, the, one of the keys that God showed me is that one of the reasons why the history of the past did not reveal miracles is because God usually show up in lowly places, in unexpected places, in secret places. You know, so let's move on. Verse 15. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So they come and visit the, the, the Jesus. And maybe the, the inn manager was there. and. And all the little animals, little cows, little whatever, and, and Jesus the baby, you know, Mary was there. And so the, the, the shepherd came and they told all of them the amazing encounter they had. 
they saw a massive choir in heaven, right? Now, this is what I want to talk about, verse 19. But Mary, treasure, everybody say treasure. Treasure up all these things, and then this is what she was doing, pondering them in her heart. Now, you got to remember this. Mary already seen the angel, but Mary didn't see a big choir. Whoa, you know, didn't, didn't have the big show. So Mary had to take their words for it. The words of these shepherds. They're not scholars. They're not scientists. They're not religious leaders. They're not Benny Hinn or whatever. They're just regular people. And that Mary had to take their word for it and believe it. And the Bible says Mary didn't just go, ah, whatever. But Mary treasured up all these things. Watch this. Every single time. When you hear testimonies of encounter, when you hear testimonies, supernatural testimonies of healings, of, of people seeing signs and wonders and angels and whatever, we have a lot of people telling us, you know, they see angels in this church, see, you know, angels and during worship service, that's like clouds or whatever. There are a lot of people, not, not the smoke, the, the real spiritual clouds, you know, before we had the smoke, you know. But, but you know, people have seen many things and, and a lot of times we tend to just go, uh, maybe, maybe not, maybe they're just seeing things, you know. But I want I ask you to change your attitude because it is so important that we do not become cynical about the move of God. You know, if you hear it enough, sometimes you become very cynical. Like in this church, you know, I just want us to be very careful. I know we heard many stories of miracles. Yes, everybody has, seems to have a story about miracle. God healed them during the service. After a while, you tend to go, uh, no big deal. We have to be very careful not to have the attitude, even if we have heard the miracle a million times, different miracle, because that's how God talked to us, how He would speak to us, how He would reveal Himself to us. It's those broken heart that always stay in wonder and always treasure all that God has done to other people. So when God, you know, when Peter said God had healed him, you know, we don't go, oh, yeah, good for you, you know, whatever, right? Or that Robert, you know, he, he, he felt there was, that the touch of God on his life. We don't go, oh, good for you. We ought to jump up and celebrate every single time. That is the atmosphere of miracles. Do you want to create an atmosphere of miracles? You have people absolutely excited about even the littlest, if there's such a word, littlest miracles in our midst. We celebrate it. We shout it. As opposed to just somebody come out and say, oh, God, just heal me of cancer. Good for you. That is a problem with our North American culture, a very cynical culture. You know, the other day, I, uh, there was this gentleman, I hope he's not watching from Calgary because he already gone back to Calgary, but you know, there was a gentleman, you know, he's very sincere, he's a, just a good guy, love him, he loves God, grew up in the Pentecostal church or whatever. So, you know, we, at one point in our church, we have a lot of miracles every week, every week people report, you know, miracles. And he's like, eh, I don't believe it. What? What are you doing in this church? And he said, you know, I really want to see real miracles. I want to see limbs that are missing come back. I want to see eyes that are not there pop back right out, you know. I, I, want, to see, I, I, want, to see, I want to see all these amazing miracles. Uh, and this, this bone pain, back pain. And I say to him, brother man, if you are in back pain, you, if you have back pain, you would appreciate the miracle. 
If you were the one who's contending with the leg pain or feet pain or ankle pain, you would appreciate the miracles. The fact that you don't appreciate it because you're not, not contending with it. And the attitude should be that every time when we have a little miracle, we're going to go, wow, God, we praise you. Thank you. Hallelujah. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah. That is how you set up an atmosphere for signs and wonders and miracles, ladies and gentlemen. Come on, let's praise the Lord. Not the attitude that, ah, uh, good for you. Good for you, brother. Good for your sister. Said it so many times. I'm in Israel. is real. In this season, God is going to reveal small miracles to you. How you steward that small miracle will determine the next miracle for you. Are you listening? How you steward the small miracle will determine your next miracle. If you don't steward it properly, if you take it lightly, friends, I guarantee you that will be as far as you're going to get. But be like a child full of wonder, full of fascination. And when you hear a miracle of God, you know, when somebody gets saved, don't just go, oh, good for them. When somebody gets saved, you ought to rejoice. The Bible says the whole heaven would just party just for one soul to enter into the kingdom of God. And here on earth we go, praise the Lord, praise the Lord. Susan, can you come? Where is, is she? Okay. Before I finish, I just, I just want to repeat the points so that we can understand and remember. In this Christmas season, I want to propose to you that the best place you can have an encounter with God is not necessarily in big conferences, big churches, but in a lowly place and an assuming place. Have you found yourself in a place where you are broken? Have you found yourself in a place where you don't think anything is going to happen? Have you found yourself in a place where you're struggling and you don't think God would ever show up? I want to tell you, friends, that is the place you need to be to have an encounter with God. Are you in that place in this season? Are you thinking to yourself, you know, life is just not going my way. I'm frustrated with life and just things are not working out. You feel lonely. You feel like you're struggling and nobody understands you. You're in a perfect spot for God to see you, meet with you, and show Himself to you. Treasure that. Come to the presence of God. When you find yourself in that place, just cry out to God. And if you're not in that place, I want to encourage you to go look for your prayer closet. Look for the place where people think it's very lonely, where people think that God would never show up, where people think that God would never move. Be there. Be there. Because by chance, that's the place that God is going to speak to you to change the world. It's a perfect spot. Not only in lowly places we spoke about last week is being 
a few weeks ago being broken ourselves to hear the Lord. Some of the greatest revelation in my ministry that had determined the decision I've made is not from prophets, conferences, whatever. It's when I'm alone, sometimes in a very sad place, the Holy Spirit spoke to me. This message of rest, I believe is the message for this hour, for this season. Didn't come in any conference. It come in a time when I was super frustrated with God. Frustrated with my life. Frustrated with everything that was going on in my life. I was even angry at God. But I found myself alone. In an old place. Gordon Baker. Our previous location. We didn't have any staff then. To the week, you know. Especially in winter time. I'm a kind of guy to try to save energy, save money, right? So I turned up all the heat. So the whole sanctuary was super cold. Cold and dark, you know. And I was walking around the sanctuary, kneeling down sometimes. Just frustrated with God, with my life. Look at my life, I'm not going anywhere. Wanting to give up. That was a perfect spot for God to speak. You see, rest. Stand down. Come to that place. Would you come to that place this season? 